Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking to Michelle May. Thank you for joining us today, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Dion. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So, Michelle, if you could tell my listeners a bit about yourself and or your perspective in any way, that would be great. Well, sure. I appreciate you having me on. My area of interest actually comes from my own personal struggle with food and body image. So way back when I was a teenager, I started dieting and very soon after that started yo-yo dieting. And I ended up dieting all the way through high school. I dieted in college. I dieted in medical school and into my medical practice. So I became a doctor, but I still had this one little area of my life that I didn't seem to be able to get a hold on. And so that really led me down this path of trying to understand why diets weren't working for me. And as it turned out, they weren't working for most of my patients either. So I became really interested in learning for myself first and then teaching others how to make decisions about eating that don't involve weighing, measuring, and counting food. And of course, as I got into that more and more, I began to recognize that for many of us, it was certainly true for me and many of the people I work with, that for many of us, we end up struggling with food because we're not using food the way that it was intended. We're not using food for nourishment and fuel oftentimes. We're using it for emotional reasons. We're using it because we're bored or we're stressed or we're lonely or because it's time or we saw food on a commercial or in our social media feed. I mean, there's a a million reasons that we eat that have nothing to do with what our body needs. And so that's the work I do now. My company is called Am I Hungry? (laughs) Because that question helps us start to think about why am I wanting to eat right now? Does that make sense, Dion? It makes perfect sense. And um, I can understand um, a bit about what you were explaining as far as food and why we tend to eat it the way we do. Um, Actually, before um, I got diagnosed with diabetes, I would just eat randomly at like 2 a.m. just for the heck of it while I was watching a movie oh it's movie time so I have to have a snack with this but um when I got diagnosed my eating habits dramatically changed because it's not simply stuffing your face anymore you have to portion it to a certain extent because obviously the right protein and the sugar and the nutrients has to work its way in my system properly because if I eat too much, then, then I'm a goner. So um, I can understand your perspective in regards to food and how to go about managing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and do you, uh, Dion, I don't know this. Do you have type one or type two diabetes? Um, that's the thing. Um, that was never really determined. Um, I've been diabetic Mm. for a year. Um, I don't know, maybe it's because, um, it was at the start of the pandemic around last year in January and it was still a lot for me to process. Perhaps that's why we didn't make it a priority to figure out specifically what type I had, but, um, 
as far as um, you on insulin did they put you on insulin right away so ask personal questions but uh no it's it helps me those are two very different diabetes type types of diabetes so um they did put me on insulin and i've been on insulin um pretty much a year obviously because it would be a year since i got diagnosed um yeah. But um, I've basically been having it been treated as if I'm type one. That's the approach um, my diabetes doctor and other physicians decided to go about treating it. Um, as far as what specific type, that's not determined, but I've been treating it as if I'm type one. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Well, again, I know I know that's a very personal question. And I think to get back to the topic of food and eating in general, I think for so many people, we've really lost touch with our instinctive ability to know how to feed our bodies. Now, obviously, when you have diabetes or other health conditions, there are other considerations but that doesn't mean that we can't pay attention to the signals that our body gives us. So for example, when I was early in my medical practice and I started realizing that a lot of my patients were struggling with food, just like I was, I also had two very young children and I would watch them eat Dion and they just, they loved food, but if they weren't hungry, they weren't interested. And if they were full, they would stop eating, even if there was food left on their plate. And I realized how different that was from me and some of the people that I was working with by then who were really using food for very different reasons. Um, I don't know what your parents taught you, but my parents taught me to clean my plate and be a good girl and eat all my dinner to earn dessert. And messages like that, that would teach us to override our own natural hunger and fullness signals. And so many of us in our culture, in our, in our country, in our, in our world, many of us have lots of food available to us all the time. Now, not everybody does, and scarcity can be a, a whole other reason why people have difficulty with eating when their body really needs food because they're going to eat when they get the chance. And so this, basically what I'm saying is that our relationship to food becomes very complicated. You add in diabetes, you add in messages that we got from our family as a child, you add in the exposure to food that we have all the time because of all the restaurants. And now with COVID, working from home or being close to the refrigerator, maybe not having the other outlets for fun and enjoyment and pleasure that we used to have. And so we might find ourselves reaching for food even more than we did before. And so that's how we end up down this path of struggling with food and thinking, oh, I just need to find the right diet or get enough willpower to find follow a diet. But diets actually make it all worse because when we deprive ourselves of the foods that we love, we end up feeling even more cravings, uh, feeling more deprived, more restricted. And then when we finally eat, we find it really hard to stop. We say things like, well, I've already blown it. I might as well keep eating and then I'll go back on my diet tomorrow. 
So I call it the eat, repent, repeat cycle. <laughs> and so many people are stuck in that pattern and just can't find their way out. And so that's the work I do now is helping people get out of that. I can um, understand that. Um, just to give you a little bit of idea um, with diabetes, I don't know how much you know about it. I know many people have different thoughts. I'm a family doctor. <laughs> I'm a family doctor by training. So yeah, I, I know a, a bit about it, let's say. Um, usually people first instinct is, oh, you can't have absolutely anything with sugar. And that's that's somewhat true to an extent, but it's not so much you can't have sugar, but you just can't have an excessive amount of sugar. Like, um, yeah. well, it's not, even, it's not even sugar, actually. I have a, a one of my books, I've written a bunch of books called Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat. It's a book series. And one of them is for diabetes, but it's for type two diabetes. But much of the information applies even if you have type one in terms of carbohydrates and things. And so, yes. you know, what you're talking about, if I could just explain, do you mind if I explain it to your listeners so that they no. can understand a little bit about what you're saying? Because you're right. There is such a misconception that eating sugar causes diabetes. And if you have diabetes, you can't eat sugar. And that's not, as you said, that's not exactly true, right? Like it's when we say the word sugar, what we're really talking about is carbohydrate. So yes. we're talking about carbohydrates, sugar being one form of them, right? Um, and other forms of carbohydrate like starches. And so people get confused about diabetes and clearly you have it. So you understand a lot more about it. It's not that you can't eat carbohydrate. It's that when you have diabetes, your body can only process so much at a time with type two, with type one, then you're reliant on this, this insulin that you take to help your body process it. So you really have to know about carbohydrates and how much is in your food. And it's, it's more about eating an amount that your body can process without your, your blood sugar going really high. Cause that's ultimately what the problem is with diabetes is it causes damage to your system. So I'm just curious for you. So how do you then manage your carbohydrates without feeling like you're on a diet, but really understanding that this is for you and for your health and so that you feel good. How do you manage that? How do I manage that? Um, that's a good question. I don't think about this enough. Um, the irony is before I got diagnosed, um, I was a really picky eater. Um, I did not have vegetables. If you were to ask me to eat a salad, I'd be like, no, it looks like rabbit food. I would be totally against it. So when I did get diagnosed, um, I was forced, not because, yeah, I can say it. I was basically had no choice but to change my eating habits because if I hadn't been diagnosed, um, and you have some knowledge on this, if I hadn't been diagnosed when I did, I could have died. Um, because at the time I didn't know I was experiencing symptoms of diabetes, um, quite frankly. Which are um, for your audience. Yes, quite frankly, um, nobody in my family had knowledge of diabetes at all. 
So it was a real turning point for myself personally and also my family to understand this new drastic change because none of us had any idea what diabetes was really. Um, my best friend mm-hmm. who was diabetic as well was probably the only source of help as far as, oh, should I eat this or should I not eat this? Um, but as far as managing it, um, I take into consideration um, that I need to have fruits and vegetables on a mm-hmm. consistent basis. Um mm-hmm. I at least make sure I have salad every other day. Um, I had it like every single day um, after my diagnosis because obviously my body didn't have enough vegetables and protein. <laughs> so um, I, I like to keep a steady balance of um, vegetables, fruit, um, what else? I'm like, diving into my own food palace here because I've been exposed to a lot of different foods since being diagnosed um I don't have fried foods um it's just safer that way um any foods I have um are usually baked or grilled um well let's so let's pause because you know Dion I want to be careful because I I'm not here to chat with you in the capacity of a physician. And I don't, I want to be careful about your listeners taking anything that you or I are saying as medical advice, because that's not what this is about at all. Right. Right. Like what this is about is that every one of us needs to take into consideration our own health and our own health concerns, as well as our palate, as well as our, as well as our preferences, as well as our culture, all of these things help create what I call a relationship with food. And really the way that uh, food is important to all of us, even if you don't have a diagnosis or some condition, it's important to all of us important in terms of connection with other people, connection with our culture. It's important in terms of nourishing and fueling our bodies. It's important in terms of bringing pleasure to our lives. And I think one of the problems that I'm seeing, having I do, I've been doing this work now for 21 years. And what I really see now with all, all the social media and everything out there is, is we sort of see two polar extremes. On one extreme, we kind of have this, you know, complete disregard or this sort of um, lack of education and awareness about nutrition and what it can do for us. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's where you were before your diagnosis. And then on the other extreme, we see this kind of obsession with nutrition and eating clean and eating local and eating you know, all of these different eating patterns that feel very rigid and restrictive. And so the work that I do now, obviously, if you have diabetes, especially type one diabetes, you've got to see, like you said, a a diabetes doctor, an endocrinologist, a certified diabetes educator, a, a dietitian, if that, if your diabetes educator isn't a dietitian, it's so important to have a team of experts to help you learn about diabetes, learn about your body, learn about carbohydrate and insulin and and other treatments for diabetes. But ultimately you 
are the captain of the team, right, Dion? Like you're the one who ultimately calls the shots because your doctor, your dietitian, isn't going to be sitting next to you when you're making a decision about what to eat. And this is true even for people who don't have diabetes. My wish would be that everybody would learn, I, I use mindful eating as the format, that everybody would learn a way of making decisions about eating that is best for them and that they would be in charge of the decisions they're making. It's not about eating perfectly or never eating a bad food because I don't even believe there are good or bad foods. I just know that some foods are for more for pleasure, other foods are for for the nourishment and fuel they give us. And I think if we can move away from making foods good and bad, I think people in general will be able to eat in a way that doesn't feel like it's punishment. I feel like that is beautifully well said. And I'm glad you cut, <laughs> cut me off as far as um, the diabetic conversation, because um, that's not really the purpose of this conversation. It's about talking about food and how Yes, it's good to eat food, but there's, you should have a certain relationship with food. Um, I think that's a healthy sort of, relationship, a healthy food, relationship right? with food. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I know when you and I were talking about this, this podcast, one of the things that you were interested in for your listeners was to talk a little bit about emotional eating. Is that still something that you think would be valuable? Yes. I do too, because I think that emotional eating is one of the things that we can really work on that can make a big difference for people. And I guess I should first define emotional eating, right? Or talk about emotional eating. So emotional eating is using food when we have some kind of an emotional need. The truth of the matter is that emotional eating is part of normal eating everybody eats for emotional reasons. You do, I do, we all do. Because food can bring us connection and pleasure and reward and enjoyment. And there is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having emotional connections to food. Where some of us, myself included, have gotten into trouble is when we've sort of learned to use food when we have other emotional needs. <clears throat> so back to what I was talking about before, when I was a young physician in my medical practice and had a young family, you know, it was a very stressful time for me in my life, right? Like there was a lot going on. And so I can remember very specific times where maybe I would, um, on the way home from work, stop at the grocery store. And then I would see uh, Valentine's Day candy on sale because Valentine's Day was passed. And I would buy that bag thinking that I was going to treat my kids, but I'd have the bag open before I even got out of the parking lot of the grocery store, right? Like I didn't understand at the time what was really going on, but I was under a lot of stress and I sort of found out, figured out that food could make me feel better for a little while. And of course it only lasted for a little while. So then I'd have to eat more, right? Like it's this vicious cycle of trying to deal with stress 
by using food, but food doesn't work very well for that. You have to eat more and more food to try to control the stress. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something you've heard people talk about before? Um, yes, it does sound a bit familiar. And um, I can, you said that it's temporary and that's why we keep eating and eating, eating. And that's where uh, the problem in an unfortunate bad relationship with eating may possibly occur as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And so I don't, again, I don't, I don't think there's anything bad about this. It's just that what, what really I think is the shame in all of this is that when we're trying to use food to deal with stress or our other emotions, we're not really dealing with those other emotions. So when you, when you kind of peel back the layer, I mean, a lot of people think their problem is food or they think their problem is sugar or they think their problem is carbs. But the truth is that when you peel back the layers, what we're really looking at is that stress in our bodies is a sign that we need something. For me back then when my, my children were young and I had a busy medical practice and you know trying to be a wife and a mother, what the real issue was that I didn't have enough self-care. I didn't have enough life balance. I wasn't doing things to, to help myself relax and de-stress and have fun. And so for me, that stress was an indicator that I needed something. Now, I didn't need food most of the time. Sometimes I did, obviously, but most of the time I was using food to make the stress go away. But what I could have done instead, and this is what I help people learn how to do, is I could have tried to learn how to interpret what was really going on for me. And if I was feeling stressed, maybe I needed to adjust my sleep schedule. Maybe I needed to plan time for a walk after work. Maybe I needed to talk to my boss about my schedule and how much time I had for each patient. So there were a lot of other things that I could have done that would have helped me deal with stress much better than eating uh, Valentine's Day leftover chocolate on sale, right? (laughs) That would have worked better. I completely agree with you. I feel like we all have certain triggers that are at the root of each and every single problem. And yes, food is enjoyable, but food can't solve your problems. It may give you a good temporary feeling. And again, there's nothing wrong with food. We all love food, but it's not gonna take away that anxiety. There has to, you have to find what really truly caused the anxiety and perhaps try a different method. Like for you, you said, perhaps adjusting your sleeping schedule. And for myself personally, I write poetry to help deal with my anxiety and my emotions. So, Wow, yes. that is so cool. I love that. I love that. That's a great example of what I'm talking about. Yes, so yeah. I do have one yeah. icebreaker question for you. I do this with all my guests. Okay. If you could have <laughs> one superpower, that's not writing, because you already said you mentioned writing a book. I have to take the already cool superpower that you have. I have to take it away. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be? 
Oh, wow. Such a great question. One superpower. You know, I think the superpower, maybe this isn't fair because I have really been working on growing this superpower, but I think one superpower that all of us could have and can uh, cultivate is listening the ability to listen and really hear others and hear what they're saying between the lines. When I'm working with people that I'm coaching with food, you know, one of the things I just love to do is just to hear what they're saying and try to understand the meaning behind their words. I'm thinking that as a poet, you probably have a bit of that superpower yourself. (laughs) I think I have a bit of that superpower to an extent. I am good with words, <laughs> but um, I admire yes, you that. <laughs> I admire that superpower a lot, and I admire it even more because it does not involve flying or transporting. Because what I'm gathering from my guests is everyone truly misses traveling, which is understandable because <laughs> we can't like. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about we. It's not fun to travel to your refrigerator. Um. um, but um I'll be totally honest it did it did cross my mind to figure out a superpower that would allow me to travel again but my my husband and I love hiking and so what we've discovered during this time is that we can get in the car and drive someplace where we can be in nature and be outside be on our feet and be together So we, I live in Arizona. We took a trip to Utah for a week last fall and, and did all these amazing national park hikes. We're planning to do something similar to Colorado this summer. So I think, you know, sometimes the things that we think we need superpowers for, or the things that we think are out of reach, like travel, it's really about thinking in a different way. Maybe it, maybe I can't go to Italy this year for my 35th wedding anniversary, but I can drive to Tucson where I met my husband and go hiking with him there. So I think part of what I teach people about food applies here to your question. And that is that we have to think differently. We have to get out of this mindset that some foods are bad and some foods are good and I'm bad if I eat them and I'm good if I eat other foods and start to think completely differently. And to draw the analogy with your question about, you know, this idea of how are we dealing with COVID and we can't travel and we can't do these things and we end up traveling to the refrigerator. It's really about saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating. There's nothing wrong with enjoying food. And I also want to take good care of myself physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, and intellectually. So what are some other things I can do to care for myself right now during this difficult time that aren't about taking a trip to the refrigerator? Poetry. I love to, I love to paint watercolors. I'm growing succulents. I love connecting with my family, even if it's just like you and I are connecting right now by Zoom, that, that really what we all each need to do for our own selves is figure out how to care for ourselves in a way that is so much more deeply satisfying than you know, putting food in our mouth when our body doesn't even need that. It needs something else. 
Awesome. Well said. This is a wonderful conversation. <laughs> I'm very much enjoying it. Um, unfortunately, we're getting close to the end of this awesome conversation. And I actually do have to have lunch soon. <laughs> also, um, do you have any final thoughts or any social plugins um, for my listeners before we go? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, one thing that we didn't talk about that I do want to mention here is that I think is important is that physical activity, whatever that looks like for you, I think is is truly um, one of the best ways that we can care for ourselves, body, mind, heart, and spirit. A lot of the people that I work with who've been trapped in that eat, repent, repeat cycle have learned to use exercise as punishment for eating or as a way of earning the right to eat. And so I really just want to address that with, with you and everybody else. And just to say that exercise is a wonderful privilege, the ability to move our bodies in whatever way feels good to you, whether it's dance or yoga or walking or hiking or you know, playing a sport, basketball or whatever it is, whatever way you enjoy moving your body, it's has so many benefits that have nothing to do with calories or carbs or anything else. It's really such a gift. So I, I would love to add for everybody to really begin to find ways to move your body that feel really good. And in terms of how you can find out more, if this has been interesting to you and you're curious about how you can begin to change the way you think about food and heal your relationship with food. I'd love for you to visit my website. I've loaded lots and lots of free resources. My website is amihungry.com, A-M-I-H-U-N-G-R-Y.com. And right on that homepage, if you scroll down, you'll find a place to download a, a toolkit for mindful eating. You can also download the first chapter of my book, Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat, to learn more about the mindful eating cycle and the different patterns of eating that get people into problems. And so I would just invite you to go there and see what you can learn and see what things you can take away that might help you. Amihungry.com. Awesome. This was a great conversation, Michelle. And thank you for joining me on this lovely um, Tuesday. <laughs> for a second, I forgot what day it was, but thank you for joining me. It's been uh, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it, Dion, and I, and I appreciate the privilege of getting to speak with you. And I would love to read some of your poetry. So I'm going to look for that. <laughs> oh, I'll be sure to say it to you. Um, to all my listeners. Um, to all my listeners, stay healthy, stay safe, um, move your body, get out for a walk, do whatever you have to do to um, just have a sense of peace and not think about the stresses of everyday life. And until next time. everyone thank you for listening to the latest episode of words of heart if you would like to leave a rating slash review or voice message of your thoughts on this latest episode or any episode for that matter please do not hesitate to do so you can leave me a voice message right here on anchor 
And if you would like to leave a review slash rating, you are welcome to do so on Apple Podcasts. You can find my podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podchaser, to name a few. My podcast is literally everywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you would like to speak to your heart warrior, that would be me, on a regular basis, you can reach out to me through Twitter. My Twitter handle is heartwarrior24. Again, it is heartwarrior24. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me with whatever is on your mind or just to simply chat. As always, I am here for you. In addition, I've also started integrating videos into my podcast. For those videos and more, you can follow me on my Facebook page, Words of Heart Podcast. Again, my Facebook page is called Words of Heart Podcast. So if you would like to know more about my podcast or anything pertaining to my podcast, feel free to like and subscribe to my page. And as always, I hope you guys are staying healthy and safe. And if you ever need anything or ever want anyone to talk to, I am here for you.